Dybala! He is something else. Di Lorenzo, and still Di Lorenzo! The captain brings the house down. Pantelopea champions once again, but the 33-year wait will now officially come to an end. Ciao ragazzi and welcome to another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast for your culture to go. I'm Frank Cravello. He's Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. It's, it was a crazy weekend of culture, and we're here on a Sunday, so yeah, not, not a Tuesday. Yeah, we're here on a we're here on a Sunday. We thought, you know, maybe get this out of the way for the week. Out of the way for the week. Um, you know, last you know last week heading into Christmas and. I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's shopping you still have to do. There's, there's, there's chores you still have. I still have things like that. So I agree, Mike Lacey. Fuck the Steelers. I'm so pissed. Off. <laughs> Dude, I've been watching. That's my favorite NFL team. I've been watching them for, since I was five years old. And now I can't remember the last time I turned off a game, a Steeler game, like literally, I think right around the beginning of the third quarter. I got so my world. I got so fed up. Um, <clears throat> so uh, fly Eagles fly. They're not, fly, they're not flying too much right now. So um, they're actually playing people and getting their asses handed to them. Um, you know, but uh, it's 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 what it is. It's NFL. I had one person say it, and he just he just says it right on the. Um, there's no energy left per se F the Titans. Why bother? I'm with you there, Brian. <laughs> I, can, uh, I I feel your pain, Brian. I'm a commander, um, and I know the feeling. <laughs> yeah. So, well, Eric, if the Steelers got to play the Giants twice a year and, and the Commanders twice a year, and no disrespect, Richard, um, <laughs> they would be well, not seven and seven, maybe maybe nine and five, ten and four. So, uh-huh. anyway. Uh, Vincent shut off the Roma game at the 80th. 80th. We're all just shutting off games now. We've all, to hell with all of it. The theme of the weekend. Why, why do we put ourselves through the aggravation? <laughs> so, we're fans, damn it. That's right. That's because we're fans. And do you believe this? There is Milan fans still pissed off after they won 3 0 against Monza today. Like, oh, this guy didn't play. What did he do? Oh, Pioli didn't do this. You know what? They just won three nil, and they're in third place in Serie A, and they just picked up points off of Juve, and and we're really gonna we're really we're we're really gonna find we're gonna poke holes in a three nil performance that might have been one of Milan's best of the season. I just get a life, you guys. My God, <laughs> oh my God, or go support someone else. My uh, goodness, you know, the sad thing is, I think every fan base has the same same issues. So you know. They just want to be miserable and they just want to pick fights with people, you know, <laughs> and they never want to pick a fight in person. They just want to do it behind a keyboard. Yeah. So, keyboard warriors. eh? Keyboard warriors. Exactly. You know, it just, it doesn't make any sense. How are you, by the way? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's a good weekend. A lot of good, a lot of good couch show. I watch a lot of football just in general. I, I mean, I feel like I was watching 24 seven football from Friday to now. So uh, yeah, it's been a good weekend for sure. Yeah, it has definitely. Um, if you win a game three, no, there should be nothing to complain about. That's my thoughts. Exactly. So, um, nothing could have been five. Nothing. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, it's, 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 there's just an insufferable collection of pricks that are a part of Milan Twitter that I wish weren't a part of Milan Twitter. 
um, <laughs> that I wish would go support somebody else, but they're, you know, it's what it is. There's a, so, there's a, or there was a ref and ref rant. Uh, I'd love to hear the Mateo and Frank rant. <laughs> Just about Malandra. <laughs> anyway, I digress. <laughs> oh, Benetti, Benetti's having a field day with those guys. I know. I know. So, uh, as well, he should. It's great. <laughs> he, he went on that, he went on that uh, Pioli's fault campaign of, of uh, tweets or quotes or whatever. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, my goodness. Uh, so, we are uh, congregating here on a Sunday. Like I said, we're, we're, I think, just to keep the families happy and uh, with activities uh, leading up to Christmas and certainly plenty of responsibilities, we figured we'd knock it out tonight. We're going to wrap up uh, what we saw in the group stages from all of the Serie A teams in Europe. And guess what? All seven teams still in uh, European competitions to one degree or another. Um, so uh, we'll uh, break down what we saw with everything going on there. We'll talk about the draws coming up tomorrow morning, Monday morning. Mm-hmm. We're recording on Sunday night. The champions, all, all the draws are going on. The Champions League draw. We will learn who Inter, Lazio, and Napoli all play. Um, and then uh, we will understand uh, Roma and Milan's uh, playoff round opponent in the Europa League. They're in opposite pots, but they cannot draw each other. Uh, the uh, the country, uh, the confederation rules um, still exist uh, in the early knockout stages. I think they they go away after the when you get to the last eight um, is. Uh, um, is what I believe is going on. So possible Redbird Derby in the Europa League. Yeah, Toulouse and Milan could be a could be a thing. We'll we'll see if that happens. Yeah. You know, and UEFA likes themselves a good narrative, so that might end up being that might end up happening. Those yeah. balls, the Toulouse and the Milan balls, might weigh a little bit more than all the other ones. You know, mm-hmm. they've got a funny way of making that work. So, uh, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, we'll break down everything that happened in match week 16. A couple of big games that we uh, just got finished enjoying. Uh, Inter winning 2-0 at Lazio. Uh, and then Bologna with a 2-0 win over Roma. Probably their um, signature win to date. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you take a look at it and the threat that they're, you know, that they really might be for top four. Making us look good. Not the top four part, but, you know, Bologna looking good. Well, you know what? Top five might be fine, too, right now. <laughs> yeah. We're going to get... So, uh, you know, with the way the uh, Champions League is going to get reconfigured for next year. So yeah. uh, so we'll see what happens. We're going to have a little conversation about Victor Alciman because uh, he, did a, he did a little something special uh, here on Saturday in the win over Cagliari. Uh, not only the goal, but then the assist that had everybody buzzing for Quadratalia. So we'll, uh, we'll talk about Alciman's play. We'll talk about where he stands among the best strikers in Europe. Um, Alessio Dionisi, is he the next one to get the sack? Uh, you know, we'll we'll uh, break down kind of why things haven't gone well for him at Sassuolo, and we'll finish with the world's most popular hashtag game. Who won? Calcio Twitter. Lisa already thinks Byron lead 1-0. The draw, hasn't, <laughs> the draw hasn't happened yet. Who a Calcio Twitter nominee? <laughs> there we go, right there. Right off the bat. <laughs> yeah. The draw hasn't the draw hasn't happened yet, and Lazio are already behind three. Harry Kane's already scored. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's exactly the kind of team Harry Kane scores on. Yeah. So, um, so let's get into this uh, Euro stage wrap, and I think the, the the first and most obvious one we'll probably want to knock out of the way, Richard, is Milan failing to qualify for the Champions League, parachuting down to the Europa League, 
uh, despite the 2-1 win at Newcastle, uh, needed Borussia Dortmund to go on and beat PSG for them to claim the second spot and go through. Um, We accurately predicted that Milan would go to Newcastle and win. We also accurately predicted that they were not going to get the help that they needed in Germany. Um, So uh, here we are, Europa League for Milan. And you know what? A few years back, Inter and Napoli were in the group stages and they ended up going to the Europa League. And in both cases, you could look, there were games that you could look at. And I think in Inter's case, I think they had two games against Shakhtar in their group where they were both nil-nil and Inter just completely overwhelmed Shakhtar in both games, just didn't score. Like one goal out of those two games would have put them through. That's how fine these margins are. And especially when you're talking about a group of death that Milan were in. One goal would have put them through. One goal at home against Newcastle would have put them through. That's how much Milan missed this by in a very, very difficult group. So is the Europa League an acceptable consolation or are we still on the, it's Milan's DNA to be in the Champions League and not qualifying despite this being the toughest group, uh, not qualifying as a failure by by Milan's lofty European standards or do they get a pass because of how challenging this group was? It is a for me. It's a failure. The yeah. Champions League is in her DNA. Uh, it's a tough, tough group for sure. Um, did no did themselves no favor, but not scoring the first two, three games. Uh, one goal, like you said, would have been enough to to get them by. And yeah, you know, you can look at Europa League in a way that say like, look, it's positive because they're still in the tournament. It's still the European experience, right? Roma went through this. Um, you know, Fiorentina uh, mm-hmm. went through last year, even though they're in Conference League again. Uh, so it's good for them to get that all the young players get that experience. But what what we've been saying is like you know Champions League or bust. Meaning if you don't make it to the second to the knockout stages of Champions League, you want to get out because the team isn't exactly performing well this season. They're like up and down, up and down, right? And if they're out of the of the European competition, they can focus more on the Scudetto. And we saw what that happened a couple of years ago. They won the Scudetto. Not saying they're going to win the Scudetto this year, but they can focus more back on on the league. Now with Europe, they got the distractions. Milan already have a host of injuries already, so it's not going to help them anymore to play even more games going down the stretch here. So, I mean, even if they go, if they go and win it, great. That's, it's nice. Or they do well in tournament, great. But for me, it's still a failure because it's Champions League. Yes, it's a group of death, but Dortmund isn't the greatest of teams. PSG is a negative team, and Newcastle at the bottom of the group. Uh, so they should have, you know, should have got out of this group. And, you know, this is all credit to PSG and Dortmund. They did what they had to do. Uh, so for me, it's a failure. I mean, where do you, where do you sit with this? I'm, I'm with you. It's a failure. Um, you know, uh, Milan is one of the brand names of European football uh, yeah. and, and not qualifying for the Champions League, regardless of the hand that you're dealt, is a failure. Um, a couple of years ago, they had a difficult group as well uh, with having to navigate Atletico Madrid, Liverpool, and Porto. Um, and I think while a failure... Uh, I think that one was probably a little bit easier to accept because it was their first venture back into the Champions League in so many years. And there was just a relative lack of experience in the squad. And Liverpool were just incredibly talented at the time. Atletico Madrid, very good. Porto, I mean, they're a very difficult group to work their way through. Here they're in a difficult group on brand name, um, but on talent, you know, it's not 
some of the Dortmund teams that there were in the past, even though they're they're fast and they're dynamic and can cause a lot of problems with what they have going forward. It's not what PSG have been over the last few years. Sure, you've got Kylian Mbappe there, but they're definitely not. And then it's a Newcastle that's, you know, trying to make a name for themselves on the European scene with the Saudi money that they have and the way that they can invest. Uh, but you're catching them at the early stage of their project where you should beat them. So um, I think it would have been a catastrophe if they didn't beat Newcastle in the match last match day and finished dead last. Okay. It was already a failure enough. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, there's still European football. There's still, there's some consolation here. And, and to the comment that was said earlier, it's a, you know, there is a silver lining here. This win, the win boosts Serie overall profile yep. um, on the continent. And the win over Newcastle also, I mean, still still, still uh, secured European football for Milan. Okay, it's not the big contest, but it's a chance for more games um, on the European stage. Because um, let's face it, the Europa League has turned in, has become a step up in quality. Uh, ever since they've dangled that carrot of uh, the guy, the, the team that wins this thing is the, is a seeded team in the Champions League next year. Yep. You know they've they've created the incentives, um, but to win that game and and make it a little bit easier, Eric's point. You know that win has gone a long way in helping Serias be in a position to secure five Champions League places next year over England, who's going to have four. Yep. Okay. Uh, wins like that and moments like that are very, very important. So, yes, failure, but there are some silver linings to it. Let, let me let me put the scenario for you, Frank, because this is another thing that probably bugged me more than what the result of you know how it shook out. Because really, it's Milan's fault that they they didn't go further. Sure, but let me put the scenario for you. You finished dead last in your group, and then all of a sudden you want to chirp and talk like you're the best in the group. In what right mind, or maybe it's not a right mind, are Newcastle fans at right now where <laughs> they think they're the best team in this group and they should have won? Even and they they were they were saying they could win league on, they could win Serie A. Like who the fuck are you to think that you can't even beat this group with a soft Dortmund, a soft PSG, and a soft Milan? And you're gonna say you're you're better than all these leagues? Get the hell out of here! You cannot chirp when you finish dead last in a group. I am sorry. I'm when sorry. You're you seventh in, in, in your seventh in your own league. You're right seventh now. in your own league. You know. Yeah. And, 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 and said that you can. Uh, okay. One, wait, wait. There's one clip that I saw that one. There's one guy who made sense. He's like, "How are you saying Newcastle are better than Milan?" It's like Milan were in the semifinals of the Champions League last year. How are you better than them? Yeah, you. It's like, what are you talking about? There's like one same person in the whole like videos that I saw this weekend, and I was like, "What the fuck is going on? What am I watching? What am I?" Milan. Watching? Milan completely outclassed Newcastle over for 135 of the 180 minutes that they played each other. I'm going to give Newcastle the first half of that game at, at St. James's park. They were better. Okay. Uh, but Milan adjusted, Pioli adjusted, made some changes, made some, you know, struck the right chord with the substitutions. Um, and then they went on and won the game. So, um, but yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's, it's sour grapes. I mean, right now, English, the, the English football, They've got no right. I mean, that not only Newcastle, but Manchester United, they're out. Okay, I'm completely out of European football. Two teams. Um, you know, so it's just it's yeah, prem face delusion. It's it's all these things. It's yeah. it's there's this it's this holier than thou thing just because it's 
you know, it's so well marketed. There's so much money. And yeah, I, I get it. There's a lot of very, very good teams. And, you know, don't get me wrong. Newcastle would do well in Serie A. They would do well in Bundesliga. They would do well in Liga. But to say that they would win all three when they haven't even won their own league in God knows how long. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then finish fourth to these three teams from these leagues that they claim they can win. It's just, it's delusional. And if they were in any of those leagues, they wouldn't have the money that they have now. So they definitely would not be one of those leagues. Yep. Um, but, hey, three Serie A teams did qualify out of, out of the knockout groups. Yep. Uh, Napoli, Inter, and Lazio, like you mentioned. All second place, but hey, they they move out all together. So um, uh, good for Serie A to have those three teams. We, we kind of figured that well, at least two of them, Inter and Napoli, were going to go through. Lazio, above expectations, did well uh, despite the, the loss this uh, Thursday. They move on, so it's it's, it's good to see this uh, this representation for Serie A moving on in the, in the Champions League. Yes, um, I think that if there's a team that should be disappointed, it would be Inter. Um, I think they should expect to win that group that they were in, uh, over, uh, you know, they got to, you know, even over and Real, Real Sociedad's a solid side, but not to the, not to the level of Inter. Um, and, uh, for me, um, I won't say it was a failure for Inter to finish second in the group, but it should be considered a disappointment. Um, that's kind of where I'm coming from on that one. Uh, you know, they dropped, they, they, they just needed to beat Real Sociedad on the last day and they couldn't do that. So I think there's a, there's enough to be, there, there's enough that in and of itself is of concern because the win would have put them in a better situation as far as the draw was concerned. Um, and wouldn't have given, would have given them a second place team, uh, maybe a little bit better matchup, but, but we're splitting hairs. I mean, they qualified um, yeah. ultimately. Uh, and I think they qualified without losing a match, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think they lost. Um, I think they they drew Sociedad, uh, beat Benfica at home. The biggest problem with English football is the English. I like that. <laughs> I think they had, was it three wins and three draws for Inter in the, in the, in the group stage? Or Yeah, yeah that, that's yeah. what it was. Yep. You know, I I don't think Inter will be bothered in the slightest. Yes, they would have loved to win it and make it an easier second knockout or second second round uh, game. However, I don't think Inzaghi and Inter are bothered in the slightest. One, I know that because sure. they they put out a rotation for the last game against against Braga or um against uh, Benfica. They or excuse me, Sociedad. They 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 for them it wasn't about winning the group. They just they were qualified. They're focusing on Lazio. They believe in their mind. Inzaghi is a cup merchant. We've talked about this numerous times. And this team is one of the best in Europe. They don't care who they play against. Inzaghi is going out there saying, we're probably going to get Man City. We'll we'll take him over two legs. Like, he's confident. Like, I would be too with this this goalkeeper they have, this defense they have, and this overall team that they have. This is a legit threat to European championship here. And so, Inter, I don't think they're bothering the slightest of being in the second group. We've seen... In the past, where those great Milan teams were, they, yeah, they finished second in the group. They didn't care. They went, who are they going to play? Going to play Bayern in the next round? Okay, who cares? I'll get the job done. This is what the Inter has that 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 swagger to them right now. That you know, for you know, it doesn't matter who they're going to get in this next group. It's going to be tasty when you have that kind of defense that they have and the uh, abilities and the skills on on that team. This is going to be it's going to be a tasty encounter, no matter who it is for Inter, and not necessarily yeah. the opponent. Now, if it's Man City, that's going to be must see TV for for 180 minutes plus. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But man, yeah, Inter, uh, 
they're I think they're fine. They're fine. Sure. Um, and Napoli and Lazio, I think about what we would probably expect of each team, you know, in terms of qualification. Uh, certainly, you know, Napoli, I think you knew second was probably going to be the most likely outcome to Real Madrid. Um, and that's what ended up happening. I think, you know, Lazio did well to overcome Feyenoord, uh, to get, to get second position and go through. Um, I think that that was a, and that's one that I even, I suggested, I think when I predicted these groups, I, I predicted Lazio would finish third. I thought that Feyenoord would be too much for them. Um, and, and, and those were both, I think those were entertaining games. Feyenoord's got a, Feyenoord's got a pretty strong squad. Mm. Um, when you take a look at what they got attacking with Jimenez, with Calvin Stengs, um, uh, Paixão, uh, but Lazio was able to overcome that uh, yeah. and, and get to second. So it's a little bit of an achievement, considering, especially considering the league form, uh, that Lazio was able to get through that and go through to the, uh, uh, to the next stage. So, um, okay, let's go, th- let's just ask you the question here. Here are the group winners. These are the teams that, um, okay. So the group winners were Arsenal, Atletico Madrid, Barcelona, Bayern, Dortmund, Man City, Real Madrid, Real Sociedad. Napoli can't draw Real Madrid. Inter can't draw Real Sociedad. Lazio can't draw Atletico Madrid. So for each team, Give me one. Give me one team that you'd be happy to see. Give me one team that just matchup wise is going to be a big, big problem for two legs. Well, well, for for Inter, I don't, I don't think it matters to them. Um, ratings wise, obviously, Man City or Bayern would be the draw. I think both those games are so difficult. Even though I think they could do well against those teams, I think you'd want to avoid them. Um, so for for Inter, I think you know. Eric mentioned the chat, Dortmund. That, that'd be a tasty treat for, for Inter. Um, Arsenal could be obviously more entertaining. Um, Atletico de Madrid would be a freaking rock fight, but I think Inter have the talent to, to dispose of them. Uh, so it's probably for me, of all the group winners, it's probably Dortmund 1 and then Atleti 2 in terms of and, and I, I thought he has a great defense, but so does Inter. Uh, but I think everybody else, it's a little bit more difficult, not necessarily undoable. I think I think Inter is going to go deep. Uh, but those are the two teams I would want. And to avoid, for me, no one to avoid, really. I mean, just as a fan, I'd want to see the Bayern and Man City game against Inter later in the tournament where it's more on the line. But uh, I don't think anyone Inter can should should favor. You mean keep going with the rest of the teams? Well, I'll, uh, you know, let me let me get my Sorry. take on Inter. I don't think Inter would want to see Real Madrid. Um, you know, the way that Ancelotti's got that team lined up, That's fair. I think can cause problems for Inter. I think that the two up front, Vinicius Jr. and Rodrigo, just can completely unbalance that back three. This back three is used to seeing strikers. They're used to seeing solo strikers. Yeah, okay, fine. They probably they they train against Lotaro and Marcus Turam every day. Yeah. Okay, but it's a little bit different dynamic when you've got those two, and then you've got Jude Bellingham sitting right behind him, who you know that they can play with that. They can play a pressing game and get to Chalinolu when Chalinolu's sitting in front of that back three. And we know that Chalinolu can cough up the ball in his third. We we've seen him do it. Yep. Um. So for me, Real Madrid is the one that Inter definitely doesn't want to see. I, I'm with you on the teams that I think that they'd be comfortable with. Dortmund and Atletico Madrid, they'd be comfortable getting into a rock fight for 180 minutes. Yeah. I'm with you there. Now, 
they're probably going to draw Barcelona because we we don't have a Champions League without Barcelona playing Inter at some stage. Yeah, in, that's true. in the competition, that is true. That is true. So, all right. So, how about Lazio? <sighs> Who should they fear? <laughs> Everyone. All of them. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, guys, uh, Bayern. You definitely don't want to play Bayern. It's already already losing in that game, that series. If that's happening, Arsenal. Arsenal will be favorites over them. Real Madrid, obviously. Uh, Sociedad would be the best, I think, for them. Um, Atleti, oh, no, they can't play Atleti. Uh, Dortmund, I actually think Dortmund would, with their pace, would c- cause panic for Lazio. That, you know, that, yeah. I don't like saying that, but I think that's the case. Um, certainly City and Barcelona. Yeah, I think Sociedad, if you're Lazio, that's what you want to get. Uh, not necessarily going to, ha- it's probably going to go to another team, but uh, if, if I were Lazio, I'd hope. You know, for them, so see that's and that's not going to be an easy game. So see that a tough game. You saw what they did in, in, over their uh, over their group stages. So, uh, but I think that's the, um, a team that lesser quality gives Lazio a chance. They're fighting chance, and if they you know if they do find a way to get out of that group, uh, out of that 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 two legged affair, it would give them more confidence going into that next round. But I mean, uh, out of anybody else, I think anybody else, I think you're looking at major underdogs for Lazio. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I can't see a team here that Lazio is going to look forward to playing. Um, you know, that's, that, that's the big problem. I think, you know, overall matchup wise, uh, you know, Lisi already alluded to it. I think Bayern would be the worst matchup for them out of all of these. If we're gonna, yeah. If we're going to, if we're going to pick somebody. So, um, I also think Arsenal is a huge problem for Lazio. Yep. Um, I think that the the wingers that that Arsenal can come up with with uh, with Saka and with Martinelli against the fullbacks, which I think is still a p- position of weakness for Lazio. I think that's a problem. Um, yep. You know, and uh, maybe Sociedad. I think they'd be comfortable playing them. So how about Napoli? Ooh, so Napoli's trickier because I think if this was last year, you would say Napoli against almost anybody, really. I mean, yeah. maybe maybe the top teams, but this is not the same Napoli last year. Obviously, they still have Osimhen and Kovačić, but um, you know, if you look at some of the group winners, Bayern, I think that's a difficult game for them. Honestly, I, I do. Uh, Arsenal would be an entertaining game, I think. Yes, uh, between the two, that'd be for the fans' perspective, probably one of the best games you could have. Real Madrid, they can't obviously play. Sociedad, I think they would they would love to have Sociedad if if that was possible. Um, Atleti, I don't know about Atleti because I think defensively, the, the of the two teams, Atleti are much better defensively than than our than our Napoli, and so I think they could shut down the two big stars there, or the, really the attack, which is gonna be, it's hard to do, right? It's a good attack, but they shut them down, they go the opposite way, and you guys got like Griezmann and Morata going after you. That, that's a difficult ask for that defense, honestly. Um, Dortmund, Dortmund would be an entertaining game, uh, probably almost as entertaining as an Arsenal game, just because it'd be fast paced, um, lots of chances created. Uh, but uh, yeah, those are probably the two teams I, I don't, I don't like them. Uh, Barcelona, potentially, potentially, definitely not Man City. So you don't think you don't think Napoli would want to see Man City? No, because from a revenue standpoint, yes, but I don't, I don't. I would don't like them against this Man City team. The only team, the only Italian team I like with is against Man City is Inter. I, my only, my only concern with Napoli is defensively. I think there are they're they're all over the place. I think there's problems. Yeah. Um, that said, 
Man City, to me, I don't think they have a defender in their ranks that can deal with Ossiman. I'm looking at some of these other teams' defenses. I can probably say the same thing about Arsenal. Not many people you know, have the defensor, defenders for Ossiman. Fair, fair. <laughs> um, you know, but then I look at the matchup going the other way, and I can you can certainly spot some problems. Who the, the center backs for Napoli are not equipped to deal with Erling Holland. Erling Holland will be back. Um, you know, some of these other that. I think Dortmund probably is the team Napoli would want to see out of all of these, um, you know, uh, and then I think the yeah. teams they would probably want to avoid um, teams that a Man City with a strong striker, uh, you know, a Barcelona, if if Lewandowski can ever get his legs under him. Yeah. Um, I think those are the teams that probably give Napoli fits, uh, you know, at this stage. So, you know, but I, I think I think Dortmund is a matchup that Napoli could be quite comfortable with. So yeah, and I mean I think and I think Vince is correct. I think any team that goes up against Napoli are not going to be excited about it because it's a pretty good attack from the midfield yeah. upwards. It is a very dangerous attack, um, and so you have to have a very good defense to handle that. And then, like I said, Atleti would be a nightmare for for Napoli just because they can soak up all that pressure well. And then counter, and then I don't think Napoli can can do as well because we see heck Di Lorenzo's getting beat in, in Serie A by guys left and right every game it seems like, and Rahmani got torched by Lavumbo this weekend. So um, that that's what frightens me is the counterattacking ability of a team like Atleti that they could do. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, if you if you have if their defense isn't top notch, I'd be afraid of Napoli if you're you know any other European team. With you there. Um, it'll be it'll be interesting. You're giving too much credit to Napoli. Um, that's, that's from a Napoli fan. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, Europa League, Atalanta are already automatically going to the round of 16, mm-hmm. uh, by way of winning their group over Sporting Lisbon. Uh, Roma is a seeded team for the playoff round. Milan is an unseeded team, but they cannot draw each other again because of the, uh, you, you can't play a team from your own country, um, you know, in these earlier knockout stages. So. Uh, Roma could possibly play any of Benfica, Braga, Feyenoord, Galatasaray, Lens, Shakhtar Donetsk, or Young Boys. I mean, I think it would probably be safe to say Young Boys is the team that they would probably hope to draw. And Lens, um, yeah, for sure. Wow. Lens to an extent, and then I would probably, I'd probably even lump Shakhtar Donetsk into that conversation. Um, They've been good this year, though. I, I don't know. They, they got nine points in their group this year. They're they had a decent performance all sure. on the road, obviously. <laughs> Galatasaray are going to have plenty of players that are going to know how to play Roma and know how to navigate their way playing and playing against a Serie A opponent. Yeah, don't forget about uh, Ole Cardi there. Yep, Icardi, Mertens, uh, among others. Uh, yeah. Torreira's got a little bit of Serie A experience, obviously. Ihan is Ihan there? Yeah, he's there now. I think he is. Um, I think he is. So, you know, so they've got some they've got some guys that have played in Serie A. Um, and if Benfica decides that they want to give a shit about playing in Europe, they're going to be a dangerous out in this competition. They finally woke up and started playing well in the group stage. It was in the group that they were in with uh, Inter, but it was just way too late. Yeah. Um, but they've got some players. Uh, Rafa Silva, uh, Angel Di Maria. Um, uh, Arsenez is decent. Um, I'm leaving someone out, um, but I'll uh, I'll remember it after this podcast. That's how it works. The, the um, saving grace for Roma in this tournament is there's no Boda Glimt <laughs> and no Bologna. 
Fair. Fair. Very fair. I think Feyenoord could, you know, I, I've spoken highly about Feyenoord, and I think that they would have given, they would give Roma some trouble too. That's probably the team yep. they don't want to see. So, yeah. yeah. But on the Milan side, possibility of playing Freiburg, Marseille, Karabag, Rant, uh, Stade Rene, uh, Sparta Prague, Sporting Lisbon, and Toulouse. Toulouse would be the Redbird Derby. Yeah. Marseille would be the storylines of uh, playing against Tuso. <laughs> Um, out of all of these, I guess Karabag would be the team you'd want to see. Yeah, I but guess. that trip to Azerbaijan won't be fun. No. Um, uh, Stade Rene has some attacking talent. I mean, Guiri, uh, Martin Terrier has started playing for them now, um, and playing well. Um, I believe Borrego is the uh, kind of the creative player in their midfield. Uh, so there's some pieces there on that side. Freiburg, we know who we know Vincenzo Grifo. Um, so you 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 spend more time watching Bundesliga than I do. I don't know how they're doing in Bundesliga, but they had their problems trying to deal with West Ham United mm-hmm. um, in their group. Um, Sparta Prague have a decent team. Um, but I would, and, and I would, I would definitely avoid sporting Lisbon with all the attacking power that they have players yep. like, uh, 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 Pedro Gonzalez, uh, Marcus Edwards, um, uh, and I'm leaving it Nuno Santos on the wingback position. There's some other yep. guys, uh, that certainly support them. Um, and then Milan aren't the greatest at defending set pieces and Sebastian Quattas as, as a, as a center back coming forward on corners. It has headed home his fair share of goals. Mm-hmm. So um so there's some there's some collections there. So I'd say Karabag definitely I would say hopefully we don't play sporting Lisbon. Uh I would not want to see Stad Rene, even though I think Milan should be able to beat them. I agree. Uh but for the for the ratings and for the drama, let's play Marseille. Let's play Gattuso, right? Right. Right. Yeah. Why not? not? Yeah. No, I think so. Um, though I'd be curious, you know, I I think I'd rather, I wonder if there's any motivation because like Redbird, you know, what recently dumped Toulouse uh, for obvious Mm. reasons because they had to, but you know, was the motivation for Toulouse to be like, Hey, we want to get our old manager or old owner back and then show them we're better club and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I can see more extra motivation for Toulouse. So Marseille would be an interesting game, even though it's difficult, you know, going to uh, the Velodrome. Um, and it, it Marseille is just a fantastic team. And obviously it'd be yeah. fun to go against Gattuso again. But uh, yeah, I think for if you're just looking at an entertainment standpoint, a team that, that they could hang with, certainly Marseille. Uh, but yeah, I think like everybody else is saying, Kiribati is where you want to go at. And then uh, if you can avoid Lisbon, that's that's what you want to do. And Fiorentina being a group winner in the Europa League or Europa Conference League, mm-hmm. uh, they do not have to endure the um, knockout, uh, the the playoff round. But you know, some teams in here that they could end up they could end up seeing over the over two legs. Uh, yeah, the aforementioned Bodo Glimt. <laughs> so uh, Eintracht Frankfurt's in this you know in this pool of teams. Um, Ajax. Uh, look like they're starting to finally play better yeah, uh, and play to their talent. Seventh at a table or something. They, they went away. Huh? They've been on a nice run with a new manager. Yep, they have. Real Betis uh, is among this crew, is, is among this group. Um, and then, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say it. It might sound silly, but Union Saint-Gilois, they're probably not 
what they've been the last couple of years. And certainly last year they went on a really nice run in the Europa League. Um, But, you know, certainly, certainly will be a tough out with, uh, with what they can offer. So um, yeah. So, uh, you know, we're excited to have all seven Serie teams still in this, uh, still in all the competitions. It's more than we can say for the, uh, the, the English teams who seem to think they can come and win Serie when they've got two teams that are already bounced from, Europe altogether out of all the teams they have. So, mm-hmm. um, but uh, that's uh, that's a wrap on what's what's going on in Europe. Uh, Richard, let's take it away with uh, what happened in match week sixteen. All right, look at the match week sixteen. A lot of actions uh, started out Friday with uh, Genoa hosting Juventus. Uh, goal scoring started early in the 26th, 28th minute. Uh, Chiesa goes down in the box. Correct call. Uh, keeper got a piece of him. He steps up for the penalty. Scores a goal. One nothing there. Uh, looks like Juve is going to sit away and walk away with this. But this is an entertaining game. Genoa came to play in this one. Obviously, being at home helps. Uh, but Goodmanson, the guy who's been on form this year for, for Genoa, comes through just after halftime, the 40th minute, 1-1 the team. This is an entertaining game. Uh, 1-1, they share the spoils there. Moving on to Saturday, um, if, uh, Lecce hosting Frozenone. What an entertaining game this one. Uh, you had to watch this game from the beginning to start watching the goals because uh, Bondo with a nice play to get the Piccoli. Piccoli scores in the 11th minute. Um, then uh, we had a call for a penalty that was checked by VAR, said no penalty. A couple minutes later, another check for a penalty. This time it was a penalty. Uh, Kyle George would step up, take the penalty, score the goal in the 33rd minute. Uh, that'd be 1 1 going to halftime. And then the uh, game looked like it was going to be end up for a draw. But at the end, Ramadani took a shot from no man's land, kind of flex off a defender, gets past the keeper. Lecce, big win uh, in, their, in their promotion or their survival hopes. Uh, 2-1 win on, at home there. Moving on to Napoli, hosting Cagliari. Uh, this game, uh, tough game. Uh, Cagliari came to play, but Napoli found it difficult to, to score goals until the second half when uh, Mario Rui, I'm glad, Nap- Napoli fans are glad to have him back trademark pass cross that we saw many times last year finds awesome goal of the week candidate there in the 69th minute uh looks like they're starting to open it up but uh pavaletti you would think he wouldn't score till you know in stoppage time but uh there's actually a nice play by, by lavumbo completely torching past um rahmani and then finding pavaletti for the goal uh really this play is all done by lavumbo they're making a 1-1 the 72nd minute just minutes after the awesome goal and then goal of the week candidate, Osimhen, in the 75th minute, nine touches of the ball, juggling uh, to get past the defenders, and then finds Havrashelli, who clanks it off two posts uh, and gets a goal. Wonderful goal of the week candidate there. Uh, Napoli win 2-1, to one, a hard-fought victory there against a, a game Cagliari squad. Moving on to Torino, hosting Empoli. This game was pretty even, actually, for the most part. Uh, we did say goal by Duvan Zapata in the 25th minute. Uh, but both teams, you know, pretty much doing, doing a good job of canceling each other out. I was really surprised. Thought Torino would have a lot more in this, uh, but uh, fairly even game. A uh, little bit of snooze fest for me. I did pass out this game. I had to watch it, go back and watch the rest of it. Uh, it, yeah. wasn't, it wasn't the most entertaining game. Um, but then moving on to Sunday, <clears throat> uh, Milan hosting Monza, uh, the Berlusconi Derby. Uh, goal scoring starting the third minute. Goal of the week candidate, uh, Tiani Reinders going through everybody, slaloming. Uh, gets a nice goal there. Uh, moving on to, um, well, there's injury. Pobega gets injured, comes off in about 38th minute or something to that effect, early in the first half. Uh, Giancarlo Simic comes in. Leao does Leao things, finds Simic for the goal. He gets his goal back-to-back games for him, scores a goal in the 41st yep. minute, 2-0 at halftime. 
Uh, then we would see another goal of the week candidate in the 76th minute. A wonderful team uh, team goal by Milan, finished off by Okafor. 3-0 Milan won against Monza. Monza did make it interesting when Churia came on the game, kind of turned the game for Monza, but Milan stuck through this. Uh, Fiorentina against Hellas Verona, a difficult game, possibly a trap game for Fiorentina, but they found a way to get victorious in this one. It took them until the 78th minute where Carlos Beltran got the goal. Carlos Beltran is a baseball player. <laughs> Beltran gets the goal in the 78th mm. minute. one nothing. Uh, a very game Hellas Verona team that nearly, nearly could have stole points in this one. Uh, Fiorentina walk away there. Uh, entertaining game this morning. Uh, Udinese hosting Sassuolo. It looked like uh, Dionisi was giving me lose his job by halftime. Uh, Luca with a nice goal in the 36th minute. Uh, then um, Pereira ends up getting a goal in the 55th minute. Two nothing at that point. Looked like they're gonna walk away with this one. And then Payero says, oh, hey, "Hold my beer. We need to make this more, more interesting game." He gets a straight red card for dangerous play. Good call, my my opinion. Yeah. Uh, Sassuolo, it was all Sassuolo in the box of uh, Udinese from that point on. Uh, they got a penalty in the 75th minute. Correct call. Uh, Berardi steps up, scores a goal. Uh, 88th minute, another penalty, another legit penalty. Uh, he steps up again, scores a goal. 2-2, Sassuolo and Udinese draw the points there. Moving on to the two big games of the weekend. Bologna hosting Roma. Uh Interesting game to see. We knew who's going to have the ball and who wasn't going to have the ball in this game. And Bologna looked very good with the ball. Uh, Nicola Muro scores in the 37th minute. Wonderful goal there. Uh, make a one nothing going to halftime. And then in the, uh, coming out of the second half, early goal by them. Oh, ended up being called the own goal by Christensen. But uh, Bologna really putting on the defensive clamps against Roma. Uh, 2 nothing victory there. Everyone's talking about, obviously, Bologna winning. But also... Renato Sanchez coming on at halftime, getting pulled 18 minutes later. That's also another big theme of the story from Mourinho uh, in this one. Uh, and then finally, the uh, Derby della Fascista, uh, Lazio hosting Internazionale. Um, uh, interesting, entertaining game where Inter, it seemed Lazio did what they had to do. They, they obviously had a, a midweek game where they put all, most of their starters in that game and they came out attacking. You're going to have to because you know, with all your players, the potential of them getting tired in this game. They uh, they came out swinging, but uh, Inter really weren't bothered by, by the attacks by Lazio. Their first chance that they get on goal, Inter, they score with Lautaro Martinez, a terrible giveaway by Marusic that uh, Lautaro ends up doing like ring around the rosy around the goalkeeper and scoring past him, one nothing. And then Taram, another big game, another another Marco Taram goal. Uh, he scores a goal in a six, 70, uh, 66 minute, excuse me. Inter went 2 nothing quite comfortably against Lazio. We have a game tomorrow, Atalanta and Salernitana, but of the nine games that were played this weekend, where would you like to start? Oh, let's start with the big ones. Um, And uh, let's start with Bologna and Roma. Um, No Rom, no win. Uh, That's kind of the new theme now for Roma. (laughs) Uh, The three games he has not played in, Roma's lost all of them. But we will say this. Roma still created chances without him. Yeah. uh, it came down to uh, Federico Rivalia, uh making some big saves. I think he made a big save both yep. both on Belotti, the the header in the first half, and then the uh, the point blank chance that, that Belotti had in the second half. That yep. the Torino Belotti that was valued at a hundred million a few years ago probably would have scored. Um, so Bologna looked excellent. Yeah, they did. Roma allowed them to look excellent, though. 
I think the one thing that nobody paid a lot of attention to, I watched the, I watch, go back, go back and watch that game, everybody, and watch Roma's midfield. Um, and tell me what they're supposed to be doing because I still, I, I still don't know. Um, I mean, I, I just so disconnected, not tracking back runners. Look at, look at the goals they conceded. I mean, look at the first goal. You got guys that they finally start recovering when they realize that the Bologna players are in positions and in dangerous positions without the ball, with the ball wide. Um, and they said, well, oh, shit, I better go pick him up now. It's like it, it, it didn't occur to him that he should have stayed with. Like the midfielders literally went 90 minutes without tracking anybody. Yeah. Um, and it just uh, – it was it was insane to me. And you're sitting there that you never – that's just something you don't see from a Jose Mourinho team. Well, and the reason why you don't see that is because it, they lose possession. They, get in those early, they just get into early defensive positions right away. It was – it was a freak show uh, from Roma today, um, you know, especially in that in that phase of the game. Bologna had so much space to play through. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, we talked about this with the Atalanta-Milan game in the first half uh, for Milan in that, you know, in that game. Atalanta looked like they played their best 45 minutes. I think Milan, the way Milan defended, they anybody was going to play their best 45 minutes against them. Same yeah. situation here. Yeah. Um, you know, so while I, 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 you know, I've banged the drum for Bologna would, you know, you and I have done that ever since the beginning of this season, you know, we do have to point out when things are abnormal. And when you look at how Roma defended, especially through the midfield, it's just like, and, and then nobody's protecting the back three. Um, so it's so easy to get through to them. It's easy to get balls into Zerkze. I was just, uh, a, a dismal performance. I mean, Jose is going to go through that tape and lose his mind and then he's going to show that tape to the players and he's going to lose his mind in front of them um i mean i I was i I thought it was shocking uh because it's not something you see from a from a jose Mourinho coach team that said credit to bologna for winning this was a big big win for them and they looked great but we have to look at the tape and look at why they looked so great yeah no that's a fair shot and i want i wonder if Part of that was Bologna just being so clinical on their passing and quick, you know, quick movements uh, that really threw them off. But I agree, yeah. midfield was left wide open for them against them. Uh, I wonder if this game was very chippy, especially early on. You saw Pellegrini yeah. with a dirty foul. Uh, Salamakers had a dirty foul also early on. Um, so it was very maybe they were focused too much on that and not really paying attention to what the what was coming on with the game. I thought Xerxes, you know, what we talk about Bologna and their top four credentials is like. The depth is always a question for us, right? We still don't know if there's a backup striker that could back up Xerxes. We now know there is a backup goalkeeper because Ravaglia showed up and he was excellent in this game. Um, but I thought what, what I love to see about Xerxes in this game is like he's not just one of those strikers that stays and waits for the ball to come to him. He goes he goes into midfield or to yeah midfield and sometimes he passed that to get the ball and then worked away the works his way down back down the pitch. Uh, we saw he tracks back very well defensively, better than most strikers. And so this is why this guy is such a good he, – he's not just scoring goals. He does all the little things that makes a team successful. Um, and so Bologna were doing all these little things. And <clears throat> Roma, I thought, were very were very slow. I thought Gianluca Mancini in particular was very slow, very – he's ball-watching a lot. Uh, first goal really wouldn't have happened if he just was pushing up a little bit higher. The guy would have been offside. Um, it's just – 
lots of silly little errors by Roma throughout the game, giving Bologna way too much space. That let them do their thing. Bologna's good enough. You don't have to give them any assists. Uh, and I and I thought Roma didn't do enough to create anything. They did. They had some chances, but <clears throat> I mean, Ravaglia made some really, you know, maybe three excellent saves. But outside of that, it was it was really quiet for him. And I thought Bologna. Um, did, anytime Salamakers can look good, that uh, troubles me. Uh, what, what are you doing defensively to let Salamakers look good out there? Uh, so, uh, Bologna, they got the win, and they they're, they're it's their biggest name as you biggest win on, on the on the season so far, like you said, and it's really opening people's eyes to Tiago Mota and what they've done there. I don't imagine he'll be there much longer just because uh, the excellent job he's doing. And, you know, I'm sure they were probably inspired with the Mihalovic tribute prior to the match too. You probably had a little bit of that as well, but defensively, we know how good Bologna are. They're one of the three best teams defensively in the league this year. Uh, so it was no surprise to me that um, they were able to shut out Roma uh, in this one. Anthony, Jose is going to look because of the horrid performance. Okay. I'm going to say, I'll, I'll just say the back line looked bad because, and a chief reason for why they looked bad, there was no protection from the midfield. Absolutely none. Go and look at the heat map. If you go to Sofa Score and you go and look at the heat maps, I don't know if I can share this. Can I? You can try. Where do I, where do, I do that? Um, share screen at the bottom, no? Uh, not on mine, I don't think. No. Uh, settings. Nope. That ain't it. All right. Present. Share screen. Yeah, let's go. Uh, all right. So I'm going to share. <laughs> okay. Are you guys with me? Oh, there it is. Okay. There we go. Okay. I am going to, am I, is my mouse moving here? Yes. All right. Let's start with uh, Pellegrini. See his heat map? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, so you see the arrow. That's a, the, the direction that, okay, the direction that Rome is attacking. Look at his own penalty area. Can't be bothered to be in there, can he? <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. So, and, and probably not, okay, if he's the playmaker and he's the guy that they want to get the ball out to, if they win it, I can probably understand that. Now let's look at the guys that are probably more responsible than Paredes. <laughs> Maybe to defend a couple of corners, right? You know, look at that. Just the, this glob of yellow right in here. <laughs> right? I'm Brian, I'm glad nobody looks at my heat map for my rec league. <laughs> hey, Brian. Brian, I played forward in the rec league, and I'll tell you what, my heat map was the other – I was regularly in the other team's half, and I don't think I was – I don't think I even got into my own half. So I feel you. Um, all right. And then the guy that you probably think should be, Brian Cristante. That's embarrassing. I mean, and it tells a lot about what the midfield's doing for that back three in terms of in, tr in terms of protecting and making sure balls aren't getting in and that sort of thing. So, yeah, they're doing their job through the middle third here, but come on. Um, you know, uh, so – and then let's just take a look at a guy like Remo Freuler. <laughs> you can argue that Remo Freuler for Bologna – was in his penalty area supporting his defense more than any of the three Roman midfielders combined when you take a look at that, right? <laughs> yeah. I just shocking to see that, right? 
shocking. So, all right, just just so that we can paint the picture of what went on there. But uh, um, Chris Cristante is an embarrassment for Calcio. Yeah, he shouldn't even be in the national team. It's just crazy. Earmuffs when Vincent's in the chat. All right. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? I said, say earmuffs when Vincent's in the chat. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, so just to show you guys what was going on there, I mean, literally, yeah, and that wasn't even the half of it. When you watch it, when you watch it on the tape, when you watch it on the game, it looks worse. Those three defenders were hung out to dry uh, no. against Bologna today. That's fair. That's fair. Um, it didn't help that they didn't defend well when they were called on, but no, no, <laughs> but. But it's what it is. Uh, your, your thoughts on this game? I mean, and then you had Revalia with some excellent goalkeeping. Um, yeah. Zerkzee was outstanding. So Yeah, no, I, I think just a, a complete team performance by Bologna in this one. Uh, deserved the win for sure. Like I said, played a little bit of inspired football, a little bit. Of, uh, probably has something to do with it as well. But they're, they're a legit team. They're a team that we said is going to threaten for European places. Are they going to hold on to the top four spot? I don't know. It's going to be a depth issue for me to still see if they if you have injuries, what's going to happen. But if they stay healthy, you know, anything's possible, right? Um, but this is a good team, and we've talked about it. They're going to be challenging for Europe this year, no doubt about it, whether they can get it or not. We'll see. I mean, every team goes through a slump, and what happens when they hit theirs? But, um, yeah, it, it's a good performance all the way around. They were given the ball. You knew they were going to – they liked to have the ball anyway, and so – they found ways to get goals in this one. And so they they got the victory. And I thought, like I said, Ravalia was the revelation for me in this game because we, I wasn't sure anyone could, if Skorupski was injured or out, what would happen to them? And Ravalia came in, he stepped in, he made some big saves. He did. He had, like I said, three big saves in this game. And I feel more confident in Bologna being a bona fide European contender with a backup like Ravalia there. Now, do they have someone that can fill the shoes of Xerxes if he's out or he's missing or injured or whatever? I don't know. That's to be determined. Every other position, they're pretty well, pretty well covered, honestly. Uh, but mm-hmm. striker, striker position is really big, my big ass. But hey, a healthy, healthy Bologna can challenge anybody in this league, and we've seen them give hell to everybody they play this year so far. They've taken many points already from some of the big teams. Yeah, it's good. It, it, and 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 they're doing it in exciting ways. So yep, exactly. Um, it's not a leg ball. No, it isn't. Or Mourinho isn't. ball. <laughs> so. Uh, they would do well just to keep Tiago Mota for next year, which I don't think they're going to do. No. Um, but we we shall see. We shall see. Um, Lazio and Inter. Lazio didn't win this game, obviously. But I saw some. I I, I saw some things that intrigued me that other teams might go ahead and try to do. Okay. Yeah. Um, so when Napoli were beaten by Inter, you had Alcimen as a center forward. You had um, you had them trying to see if they could draw Inter players out of position with combination play in wide areas and things like that, you know, to do it. Uh, Lazio went with a crossing game, okay, and 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 when they did it, they had. They were still outnumbered against that back three, but they put a second player in there. If the ball was on the right-hand side, there were a lot of diagonal runs by Zakanyi, who was trying to get in there as well with Immobile, okay, so that there was an extra target in those situations. And then there were moments where there was a midfielder coming through that was trying to that was trying to get in there. So, you know, crossing crossing to put some pressure on Inter's defenders, I think, were creating some. They were creating some chances out of that. Um, 
I thought it was interesting that Inter chose to confront Lazio in higher positions. You normally don't see that from Inter. Um, they tend to pick up their pressure kind of in the middle third of the pitch. Uh, Simone had them pressing higher. And there were moments where Lazio broke that and created a lot of their chances uh, because they made that extra pass that all of a sudden got Inter on balance. And that's where they were able to get that. And then it was an early cross. See if you can find Immobile. See if you can find somebody, you know, and then and then get the finish. So that's what Lazio did. Um, But it did pay off for Inter when they pressed higher, obviously. The Lotaro goal was a result of that. Yeah. They just pounced on a poor pass. Um, the Turam goal, um, that originated from pressing in a little bit of a higher area and winning the ball back. Um, but and, and then starting the counterattack. My bigger problem with Lazio is how everybody switched off after Barella's first pass. He tried a through pass to Lotaro where there were three Lazio defenders. That gets deflected away. It came right back to Barella. And like... Watch, go back and look at that. Did it look to you like everybody in Lazio stopped after that? No, it did. Pass it was denied. Did. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where Turam, Turam takes advantage. And they're way too late in being able to act on it. And Turam has the easy goal. So yeah. just that lapse in concentration. You can't, I mean, against a team like Inter in this league, you have to be... 100% fully focused and aware of everything and that you've got to be ready where Lazio was doing a very good job of winning those first and second balls in the, in, in the, in the first half, there were more switch offs in the second half with them. And I think that yeah. that ultimate, you know, which is what ultimately did them in. Yeah. And I, I think that um, Lazio, as I mentioned before, they, they attacked this game. Well, you know, going into the midweek and we said this last week where like, Inter were ready for this game. They they rotated heavily in their Champions League match because they were prepared for this. Lazio didn't go with that. They were trying to they put the best lineup against Atleti, hoping to get a win in the group. Didn't happen, and they're gonna have some tired legs out there. So the way you attack that is, and you see this oftentimes, is when you do when you have the same lineup that plays back back to back games like that, you attack them early because that's your best chance. Because once the game goes mm-hmm. on and on, you're gonna be have tired legs. And so I thought Lazio did a good job of attacking uh, Inter at the beginning. Um, creating those chances from the crosses, going for the wide areas, trying to cut it in. Um, had some opportunities that's not on target, really. Uh, but I think in the same, on the same breath, Inter really weren't too bothered. They, they know what they are defensively. You saw the, the back five is a 5-3-2 uh, in, the, in defensive formation, and they, they were really strong. Didn't really give up many dangerous plays, honestly. Um, and Inter just waited. Just waited for their moments and took their chances when they had it. And they, they counterattacked. This is what Inter loved to do. And you saw it on that goal. They 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 used the press to their to their advantage. Uh, created obviously that that first goal by Lautaro. Um, Mar- horrible pass by Morisic. Mar- but again, it's under pressure. Yeah. Certain, certain players cannot do well under pressure. We mentioned Chalanolo before, but Morisic. There's plenty of players who don't do well when when get a lot of guys uh, pressing up high against them and cause a terrible turnover that Lautaro capitalized on. He's in form. He's going to put that away. Uh, and then Inter kept on it. They was it their best game by far? No. No, but what we've seen with this team, and many people have been echoing these comments uh, on social media, is that this team is resilient and they have a champion's mentality. That a, a proof of we saw Napoli last year and any champion before is like when the, the chips are stacked against them, they find ways to get the results when it matters. When to get those three points, when even when it's ugly, is what the champion does, and that's what Inter are doing right now. They're finding ways to win when they're not playing their best ball. Um, 
it's okay game for Lazio overall, but I think Inter is just a standard Inter game. They're, they weren't bothered defensively, and they took their chances. They were clinical. They had really two, three great chances, and they put them away. Um, so kudos to Inter and Inzaghi for this this machine that they could they've built. Uh, and Taram and and Lautaro deserve all the praise in the world. The whole team does, but I mean these two guys in particular because yeah. look what they've done against the biggest teams in the biggest games this year. Those two have scored in every game. Taram has mm-hmm. been a wonderful find for them. He's all of a sudden fitting like a glove early, early, early on in the season. They're like, is this going to work? Da, da, da. But like, he's perfect compliment for Lartado. He really sure. is. It's not, it's a different, different dynamic from Rom. What was it? Lululemon, what I call him, uh, Rom and Lotaro back in the day. It's not quite the same dynamic, but it works just as well. Uh, yeah. so this is such a good team from back to front. Uh, and like summer, what he's doesn't have to be challenged when he's, when he has to, he comes up, he's a good goalkeeper. So this is a, that's a, Really, really machine of a team that that is into. They're like the Ivan Drago of uh, City. Yeah. Well, they're just finding ways to win. I mean, yeah. that's that's the mark of a champion. That's a mark of what they can do. Um, so, uh, you know, they've gone four point. I mean, then they take advantage of Juventus uh, splitting points against Genoa, um, drawing there. Uh, so that puts. Um, Inter four points clear. Um, Juventus, this is a two points dropped or fair result to you? They're going to say it's a two points drop, but I think this was actually a fair result because had it been just like Juve, all this pressure in the world, and then you know the one chance goes to Genoa and they put it away, yeah. But I thought Genoa were up for this game. I thought Ekuban had a really good game. Um, obviously, Goodmanson with the, the clinical finish. That's a wonderful team goal that they had. But you saw the way Genoa was playing, quick passing. That's what was getting through Juventus. It wasn't you know trying to be methodical and slow. They were quick, 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 quick passing. And Juve, they threw them off their game. Uh, and so there's enough chances going both ways. Uh, they made it an even game, and I thought Genoa deserved deserved points in this game. They they certainly did. I thought um, uh, Gilardino had the team ready. They really did. Uh, and obviously, you know, being at home helps. That's a that's a great crowd to play in front of. But uh, Genoa, they, they they look if Genoa could play like that the rest of the season, they're saying they're saying up. It just consistency. Can they do it? I don't know. They played up for Juventus, and and they certainly give Juventus all the trouble they had. And so, um, yeah, no, I think that absolutely deserve points uh, for Genoa. Yeah, I've I've I've, I've credited Giladino as being a guy that he, you know he went in with something uh, early on in the season, and then was just giving up all sorts of goals, but then has shown the ability to make adjustments. Yeah. Um. And, and a lot of his games are grinds, okay? There's not going to be a lot of open scoring. You're not going to see 4-2, 4-3 like, they, like went, on, went on the beginning of the season. They're going to play a controlled game. They're going to manage their way through the 90 minutes. They're going to try to find a way to nick a goal and nick one more goal than you got. Um, and that's how they're trying to do it. Um, I think that one thing that's working for them is that he is getting a lot out of Ruslan Malinovsky now. Yeah. And Malinovsky was really going through a stretch prior to this where you know, he leaves Atalanta for Marseille. That didn't work out. Now he's back here at Genoa and and kind of, you know, finding himself again. Yeah. Um, you know, playing a more withdrawn role. You know, 
I think he's just allowing him to play football. I mean, really, when you take a look at it, um, you know, the one thing, because I'll point out, you've got Goodmanson that can handle all the dead ball stuff. Okay. Uh, you know, and some of those responsibilities and things like that. And then Malinowski can just go out and play his role. Um, you know, and you look at this collection of players. Bedell's got a lot of experience, obviously leads the team. Um, Friendrip is a guy that we should continue to keep an eye on because I think he's he's turned in some pretty decent performances, mm-hmm. uh, you know, since Genoa have been promoted. Um, you know, but uh, so certainly worth uh, certainly worth continu- continuing to keep an eye on him. And, and, and they're solid. Uh, you know, they're finding ways to get points. And they're finding ways to scrape and survive. Um, and I think what's benefiting them is that I probably would take them over, well, for Verona for sure. Yeah. Uh, I would Salernitana for sure. Empoli, I think that, you know, might be, might be asking a little bit. Um, but uh, they just drew each other 1-1 a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and that was at the Marassi. I don't know how would, you know, the return leg will be in Empoli, but I think there's, I can find three teams that are worse than them right now. And it might be just the three teams that are at the bottom as we speak. I mean, one of the teams you picked for uh what 10th this year or whatever it was, Salernitana. <laughs> They're better than that for sure. Did um, I do that? Yeah, you picked them high, yes. Oh shit. One of our, uh, one of our listeners says uh Frank's always called telling us about how uh he picked Roma top four, but he also didn't tell us about the Salernitana who we picked high and you know they're bottom of the table. <laughs> They take her where did this? Where was this? Was this on Instagram? YouTube. YouTube. Was it? Yeah. Oh, uh, but okay. anyway, uh, moving on to Juventus. Well, listen, I didn't expect Paulo Sosa to get sacked and that Filippo Inzaghi was going to take over, which pretty much pretty yeah. much steals your relegation. Yeah. So. Yeah. And also being dead wrong about Frosinone with EDF, right? That's another shock of season there. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, Juventus, I think they, they obviously got a fine with Cambiasso. Uh, such a good player. I think they're going to be kicking. They're obviously going to be kicking themselves because you know Josep Martinez had to come up with a huge save after his blunder yeah. on Chiesa. Um, Chiesa was all over the place in this game. He set up Vlahovic for a nice play that Vlahovic missed. They missed some. They missed their chances, and so obviously Juventus fans are going to be like, "We should have had the three points," and I can see that. I think for sure Genoa deserve all the points, but you know this this Juve team they're going to be need to be more clinical. Um, they like Inter want to give up possession more more so than not, but I think Genoa is like, no, 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 you have the ball, man. You have the ball. See what you can do with it. And that kind of threw them off their game, really. Yeah, they were getting these chances, and Juve have a lot of talented players on the team, but that's not their MO. Their MO is to, like, play on the counterattack and, you know, make a more, a more defensive game and, and try to catch you and stuff like that. And Genoa wasn't having it. Genoa was like, no, 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 we're, we're going to play defense. You do, you do what you got to do. But uh, good game overall. I thought, you know, um, Obviously, the, the center backs and, and Chesney, they're solid back there. Um, but chances were created, and you saw some tempers getting uh, flared up in this one. McKenney burning his mouth at the referee. That's how he got his yellow card. Uh, you can't do that against, <laughs> I guess, Arsato. Um, but overall, I think it's just uh, it just Genoa deserve all the points in, in, in this in the world for this one. They, they came to play. They didn't shithouse their way to a victory, in my opinion. So um, good for them. Yeah. Yep, agreed. Um, I think the other the other game that we you know we 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 we've talked enough about Milan, but man, to to be able to bounce back. Um, uh, well, I shouldn't say to be able to bounce back, but to be able to win in the fashion with which they did. 
um, yeah. against Monza, coming off of the big win over Newcastle that ended up being a letdown, I think speaks a lot. Could have been a trap um, game. Could have been a trap yeah, game. Could have very easily been a trap game, but wasn't. So um, so that puts Milan now on 32 points. Yep. Uh, you get Bologna with the win. Fiorentina just quietly right there. They, they win again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Napoli, I mean – these are the kind of results that you have to take a look at and say, all right, fine, Calgary, yeah, you should beat them. But this is this is a Calgary team playing much, much tougher under Ranieri. I don't care what the form is. Yep. They're they're competitive. It stunk for them for the first few games of the season. But Napoli getting the win in the fashion that they did and getting goals, getting big contribution from Victor Osiman and getting Kvadic Kelly on the on the court on the score sheet. That matters in terms of Napoli trying to find that success in finishing top four. Oh, hundred percent. Um, I think this is a, you know, uh, people are going to say, Oh, it's Cagliari. You should, you should have won by more, but like you mentioned this, they're playing tough at the moment. And I think for Mazzari, this is a game they can look at and say, look, we were pushed to the limit and we kept at it and we found a way to win. It, it was a good win. It certainly it really was. And I think, um, you know, we, we know what kind of offense they have they still have some issues defensively. They got to work out, and Masadi's got to figure out a way to help out his defenders when when they are playing teams that have the attack or to or counter against them, because that is the a glaring weakness for them. I think Moret came up big in this game in a couple of saves, huge saves on Galati, where it could have been, you know, game changing score lines. Uh, but overall, I think Napoli they kept coming, they kept coming at you, and they don't stop, and that's what you love to see. That Masadi is trying to. Look at what worked well last year and adapt it. Unlike Rudy Garcia, who was not even want to hear about what last happened last year. He wanted to do his own thing. Mazzotti is trying to adapt some of that. And, and you've seen it in the play from Napoli that, you know, having a guy like Mario Rui, he was so instrumental to them. Rudy Garcia didn't even want to have anything to do with Rudy Garcia this year, uh, with Mario Rui this year. Um, and so having him back and then, you know, he, he can find Osiman, you know, with his eyes closed. I mean, that, that's how, that's the kind of connection they have. And, uh, Olsen is a workhorse. Marcella is a workhorse. A team. It's just a good team and good win. Uh, and obviously took some special play by Olsen to uh, seal the victory. But I think overall, it, it's, a, it's a strong win against a, a tough, tough quality. To the church that said I picked Salerni down the 10th, go back and look. I picked him 15th. It maybe it was 15th. Maybe I just missed that. It was still. <laughs> still bottom of the table. <laughs> there's, I probably there's, just said 12th or whatever. <laughs> there's still time. There's still time. They need to set. They'll need. They'll need to sack people and yeah. get a manager that knows what he's doing. But yeah, we'll anyway. think. I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, if you, you know, we get um, Atalanta tomorrow against Salernitana. A win here puts them ahead of Roma and in seventh on on twenty six. Um, just making this, just making this whole situation tighter and tighter. They're they're gonna win, and 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 mainly because Salernitana on these Monday night games with their profile, they're they're just dog shit when they play. Um, so you know, Atalanta can just probably throw their shirt on the pitch here tomorrow and win. Uh, or they're throwing one of them throwing their shirt on the pitch will be worth two goals. Um, but I think it'll be something like three nil. Atalanta will win. Okay, I'll give it. I'll get a three-one. A Kondrevo Halitzer or something that makes it a interesting. But yeah, that should be a big victory for Atalanta. Um, 
Yeah, they're Jekyll and Hyde though too. So who knows? But uh, yeah, I favor Atalanta in this one. It's and it's the top eight really is is really is really close. And honestly, three through eight is going to be a dogfight this year. It really is. Um, you know, Bologna's obviously throwing a gauntlet down, saying, "Hey, pay attention to us, Fiorentina as well." Even though they had a bit, they had their trap game against Verona. They they barely escaped with their lives in that one. Uh, but yep. this is going to be it's going to be interesting one. I think the top two are oh, there's a class above everyone else. And it's going to be, you know, everyone battling for the last two Champions League spots, which is no, no, no giveaway. And yes, Milan has a four-point cushion at the moment, but they haven't been the most consistent team yet, right? And maybe, maybe this Newcastle game was the lightning rod that helps them go on a run. But uh, for for the time being, it is a, it is them with the rest of the pack um, trying to battle it out for those last two spots. So, okay, um, I think Milan are a tick ahead of all of these guys in the chasing pack. Um, you know, and I think that that's reflected certainly in their points, but I, you know, I just believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, what works for them is that they're going to get Roma at home. They're going to get Napoli at home uh, on the return legs. Uh, they're going to get Bologna at home too. Uh, and Atalanta. They get all of those teams at home uh, for the return leg. And that is going to be important um, when you're factoring some of this stuff. I mean, Derby de la Sud, Derby de la Sole, you know, next week, it's going to be interesting to see what we get from Napoli and Roma still. Again, we, you know, we talked about Napoli, the first two tests failed against, you know, Juve and, and Inter, but those are the two best teams in the league. Let's see how they do against Roma. All right. They should. It's going to be an interesting game. It's going to be they will not, game. they will not defend like that again, like they did against Bologna, especially in that midfield. Yeah. Uh, Mourinho is going to sew that up. Uh, before they play Napoli, I like Roma's defense better than Napoli's defense at the moment. Um, yeah. And you know, if you got a healthy Rom, I don't know what his status is, but you know, some of the playmakers that they have on Roma's squad, this could be an interesting game for Napoli. Obviously, Napoli can attack, but what can Napoli's defense do against a, an attack, a good attack from Roma? Uh, should be an interesting game for sure. So, um, yeah, I could yeah. put another twist in the top four, or, you know, the top eight, whatever you want to call it, uh, battle here. So, okay. Goals of the week. Goals of the week. Um, yeah, let's see. Uh, I would give a shout out to or honorable mention to Terciano. He made a double penalty, double penalty save uh, in in the game against Hellas uh, early in the game. Uh, number five, I'm going with Osimhen's header from Mario Rui. I thought it was a wonderful cross by Mario Rui, a, a classic cross by him. Number four, I'm going Milan's team goal that finished off by Okafor. A wonderful play all the way around. Love team goals and uh, Giroud's pass is this beautiful. Uh, the whole play was beautiful, but what Giroud did was beautiful. Uh, number three, another team goal. I'm going uh, Genoa and Goodmanson finishing it off. I thought Ekuban really did two fantastic plays on this on this segment. Uh, started off the beautiful like pirouette around two defenders, finished it off with a nice you know, uh, juggling and header over to Goodmanson to put it away. Wonderful there. Number two, uh, I will go with uh, Tiani Reinder's solo slalom through the defense. Uh, really just a solo goal, beautiful, beautifully done by him. And number one for me, Osimhen with his marvelous nine touches of juggling the ball and then finding Kavarashelia uh, for the put away for the, off the two posts. That's my number one. Yeah. Um, I just really love the Okafor team goal. That's my goal of the week. Kavarashelia uh-huh. uh, from Osimhen's second, Reinders solo goal third, and then I only have a fourth, and that's uh, – the performance from Federico Rebaglia, the two big saves that he had on Belotti, uh, you know, in terms of preserving the whim and coming in, I just want to recognize his performance as a backup goalkeeper 
uh, you know, to come on and deliver the goods uh, for yep. the uh, Rosso Blue. So uh, excellent stuff there. Uh, let's get into a quick conversation, Richard, about Osiman. Um, where is he? Is it time to talk about him the way people talk about Harry Kane? The way people talk about Robert Lewandowski? Um, I think Erling Holland has demonstrated that he's a class ahead of those, but some of that might be the product of the team that he gets to play on too. Um, so maybe he stays in that conversation. Um, is, does, does Ossiman have a seat at this table now? I think he does. I think he does. It's, it's difficult too, because I mean, Erling Haaland is world-class. He absolutely is. It doesn't matter what team he's on. He finds a way to score goals. Lewandowski certainly was world-class. He still is world-class, right? Um, he's obviously getting up there in age, but he can still do it with the best of them. Um, he's he's certainly at the table. Uh, Mbappe is another one, right? Whether you want to yeah. call him a striker or a winger. Uh, Vinicius, Vinny Jr., whether you want to call him a striker or a winger, uh, they're all up there. But Osiman has... You know, we always say we want to see more from them before we call them world class. But Osman continues to do it every week, and and with all the pressure of having to score for your team, with all the pressure of the defenders on you, um, he finds ways to get it done. I mean, you saw it's not just goals. He he makes these runs. He had that beautiful. Uh, he set up uh, Cavada last week against uh, Juventus. Should have been a goal there by Cavada, but he did his Zaza impersonation there. Um, Today or this weekend, he, the juggling the ball, which is not the first time he's done it. He's done it many times before. Juggles the ball, gets through the defenders, and then finds finds his teammate for the goal. He does everything. He's a five-two player. We talk about this in the states all the time. A five-two player, and I think Osman has it. He's he's super intelligent. He makes great runs. He knows how to finish. He's stronger than he looks. He looks like this small, tiny frame, but he he's just as strong as anybody with the ball. Um, so when you talk about the Harry Kanes of the world, uh the Halans, he is at the table in my opinion. Now, if I'm ranking them, you know, one through five or whatever, I mean, I, I think for me, based on age and talent, Halan's probably number one. I'll probably go Mbappe two, Kane three. And then from there, you know, I, I'm hard pressed to put Osiman over Vinny Jr. and maybe, maybe Lewandowski and some of the others just because he's got time on his side. He's got he's such a raw talent, and you know, depends on what team he goes to. He could, I mean, he's feasting at Napoli right now. If he, he could go to one of these big clubs and really feast even more so, um, whether it's a Barcelona or wherever, uh, he could, he this guy could do it all. Or more likely, he's going to go to England, right? Um, but if he gets on a, in a good team there, he could, he could do wonders for them, I think. So for me, he's at the table. He's at, he's one of the top five players in the, in the world in terms of that position. Um, Jude Bellingham is on a different position because he's more of a midfielder, right? So he, I wouldn't put him in that position, even though he's leading La Liga. But you're mm-hmm. talking out and out striker. Uh, he's certainly the best in Serie A, and he's at the table for the best in the world. Like, there's like a couple guys, like I said, are ahead of him. But uh, what are your thoughts? Um, my biggest problem with well, my biggest problem with Harry Kane is a lot of his goals just come against inferior competition. I mean, he basically won that golden boot back in 2018 because he got to play Tunisia and Panama. Um, you know, but then when the pressure got tight, the competition got better, he struggled. 
Um, I think you can still make those comments about him, but man, when he scores, he scores them in bunches. Yeah. Um, you know, Robert Lewandowski has made a career out of scoring goals. Obviously, Erling Holland is is just at an unbelievable, just unfathomable pace. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that Lewandowski still gets to be up there out of legacy. Even yep. though form-wise right now it's not been all that great. I know he's been fighting some injuries and trying to get his legs back and stuff like that. That that has a little bit to do with it. Um, but I agree with you. I think he's there. I I put him among the 10 best strikers in the world. Um, I don't know if I can get to five best just yet. Um, I probably can come up with five. I said Ireland. I said Lewandowski. I said Kane. Yeah. I think we can consider Mbappe a striker. That's four. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, he's one of the best in the world, though. Problem is, is there's a guy in the same league that I could make the argument is better than him. <laughs> you know, Lautaro Martinez. So, um, fair. fair. You, if you're, if you know, here's my, here's my thing. You know, we're, we're talking about Aussie but we better talk about Latar Martinez while we're at it. Yeah. Because uh, he's leading this league in the goal. He's leading this league in goals. Was he third all time in Inter and, and most goals in a single season? Tyler Giuseppe, Giuseppe Miazza, or did he overtake him now? Something like uh, that. Yeah. 29, 29 goals this calendar year. So, yeah, he's up there for yeah. sure. Something like that. So, I don't, I, 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 I consider Vinny Jr. more of a winger. I do. Um, but, you know, there's um, he may be fifth. Um, that's just one of that. That's one of those things. Is I'm just trying to rack my brain, trying to find. I will. Strikers. I will say this between you know between Lautaro and Osiman, the one thing Lautaro has over him is that he seems to be Lautaro, a big game player. Yeah. Uh, at least in Serie A, and with Inter, because we saw that Champions League last year as well. Um, and, and that's where I'd probably put Lotaro ahead of Ossiman because I've yeah. seen Lotaro do it in big games. Ossiman didn't quite get it done over the quarterfinals against Milan. He scored at the end, uh, but Milan had already gotten the tie wrapped up. Yeah, but they both they yeah. both deserve a seat at the table for sure. Sure, sure, no problem with that. Yeah, no problem with that. But yeah, I I think that. Uh, you know he he plays with power. He's got he's got open pitch speed, but he's not a one v one where he he's not a guy that's going to ever create his own goal. He does need service. Yeah. You know, um, you know, but most of these great strikers do. Kane needs service. Uh, Lewandowski, Mbappe is probably the one out of that group yeah. that can create his own goals. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so that's. That's where that comes in, but the rest of these guys rely on service, but they they get themselves in the position to finish too. So, yeah. Um, interesting I, I, conversation. He might be if we're just talking about pure strikers. He might be in that. Uh, he might be in the top five now that I've yeah, talked about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I I find it very hard. Very few guys who I think who can supplant him in terms of best strikers, but other than the ones we mentioned. Yeah. Um, so, and great shot about Lautaro Martinez too. That's yeah. a, that's an excellent shot. I'd probably put Lotaro ahead of Ossiman at this point. Yep. So, um, but that can, those guys could probably trade places at least two or three times as the, as the season goes on. 
that's how that's how that's how close they might actually be. Yeah. So from strikers who you know we have a debate about being in, among the best in the world to managers who might be on the way out. Uh, well, we don't know this yet, but after falling behind two 0 to Udinese, we're now calling into question the actual managerial credentials of one Alessio Dionisi since this Sassuolo team, while talented, not playing up to that talent, sitting in 15th. Um, is he the next guy for you to get the sack? I think he is. I mean, he's only sitting, Sassuolo is, only four points above the drop. Um, and, you know, we obviously, we see what Sassuolo do week in, week out offensively, and you're like, okay, this is, you know, Dionisi is doing fantastic here. But they're very much the fun bad team of City on. They have been, where they, they score goals and they give up goals. And I I wonder, like obviously Sassuolo has higher higher hopes than being just above relegation. They want to be contending for, you know, top half of the table, you know, maybe trying to get into conference league type play. They had been for a while. They were under Deserbi. They were they were one of the teams in mid table. Um and I wonder, Dionisi, you know, he's getting all these plaudits for the way, you know, the Lorientes and the Pinamontes of the world, and Berardi, oh, he's Berardi, he's been there forever. But I wonder how much of this is Dionisi's doing, or, you know, Deserbi was there before laying the, laying the footprints down in EDF to an extent before him. Um, and this team and this culture that they have offensively has been there for a while. So, like, have they really improved under Dionisi from Deserbi? I don't know. Defensively, they've gotten worse. And so... You have to blame the manager on how they've been performing defensively as well, not just the goal scoring. And yeah, they have all these talented players, but were they? They were there before him. They, I mean, what is what has he done? Yeah, he's tra- we found you know Henrique is is a good player. Fratesi was there before too, but again, you can say they were scouted before and they're just part of the system. And he maybe he'd never really deviated offensively from them. Let the let the attackers attack, but the defense has sure taken a hit. And that's why I question maybe he's not as good as we thought he was. He's just a beneficiary of having a great manager before him in Deserbi and uh, just part of the system. And if he doesn't get the results, he's out of a job. And I can't blame, you know, Tesolo for doing that. The problem here with, you know, it's not necessarily the personnel available to him because Tesolo has been able to do, the scouting team has been able to do a good job of identifying players yeah. Uh, to be able to come in and replace the players that they're selling. You know, when they sold Manuel Locatelli, they got Davide Fratese. And Fratese just picked up, we we called that right off the bat when that signing happened. We said that, you know, they're going to pick up right where they left off with, with Fratese. He's going to, you know, he's going to be the next guy they sell. And sure enough, that's what's happened. Um, Daniel Baloka is now the next man charged with filling that role. And he's been okay. He hasn't put the imprint that Fratese or Locatelli have put. Um, but then you've got creativity in abundance with this team, uh, with Loriente, with Berardi, with Bayrami. Um, you've got Pinamonti now up front. Um, you know, so you've got the attack, the attacks there. Where I kind of get um, – where I kind of get frustrated here when I think about Sassuolo is the, just how silly they are defensively and the goals they give up and that they just don't invest in those positions. They had Ihan there for a little while and now he, he's at Galatasaray. Uh, and I think they had one other decent defender there before he moved on, but they've, 
not been good at replacing those positions. And I think because of that, Sassuolo will become this fun, bad team, as we like to tell them, as we, as we like to describe them as, um, you know, so, and Consili still the goalkeeper is Cranio just hurt because I read Cranio over, I read Cranio over Consili. Yeah. But I think Cranio, uh, Consili has longevity and sort of legacy. You want to call it, you said that with Lewandowski, uh, with this team. And so he, he's certainly not as good as he was once was Consili. Uh, so I think it's just maybe favoring Consili over Cranio or anybody else at the moment, honestly. Um, and they, and they still got, well, Ferrari's what was their captain or not one of the captain, vice captain today. Uh, and, um, he's, you know, he's, he could be captain of our crap and cracker team. He's just bad performance has bad performance. Peterson had a bad game as well. Um, it's just defensively they're a horror show and they, that's what yeah. they give up a million goals a game and they're the fun, bad, they're fun to watch as a neutral. Cause you know, you can see goals, but as a manager, what have you done to improve this team defensively and nothing since his, mm-hmm. since he's been there. And that's mm-hmm. what's worrying me about. Maybe he's not who he thought he was uh, to quote Denny green. Um, so yeah, I, for me, maybe, uh, Unless he gets, even if he gets to turn around, I'm not so sure about Dionysi anymore. I used to think like, oh, he's this great young manager, next Vincenzo Italiano or whatever, but I don't know anymore. I'm not so sure. I think he just got lucky with some great players offensively around him. Obviously, Berardi's still there, and he's just riding that right now. I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, very, very interesting right now. Interesting times there for Sassuolo. Definitely underachieving. Um I'll tell you this. I, I want to see more of this uh, Samuele Mulattieri, though. Yeah. Uh, the young forward. I mean, Pino Monti's their guy, fine, but uh, this kid looks like he could be something, um, you know, and, and, and could be putting away more of these chances. We'll see. Um, you know, I think that's one guy we want to keep an eye on. He's getting spot minutes in, in Serie A. He's playing more in Coppa Italia, but, uh, you know, he's a guy that I would probably say let's uh, – Keep a closer eye on him and see if he can get some more chances. So, um, decent player there, Uh, or at least when he's been given his opportunities, he's, uh, you know, he's been trying to make some kind of an impact. But I'm with you. I think at the rate this is going, I think Dionisi's the next guy out. I just can't find. I mean, uh, Verona seems content to hang on to their coach, even though it's they play better today. They play better against Fiorentina. So if they can improve upon that, you know, who knows? But yeah, uh, Empoli and Salernitana have already sacked their managers, and um, gosh, who else? Udinese, I don't, you know, they've sacked their manager. So yeah, yeah, it's it's only natural that if this run continues, that Dionysi is the next guy to go. Yep. So it is Serie A. These managers don't last the whole season. It's what it is. <laughs> so anyway, um. Well, I think we've covered all that. We can move on to the world's most popular hashtag game. It's time for who won Cal Show Twitter. There it is, and it's uh, let's start things off. A uh, few, few of them tonight, but some good ones tonight. Start off with Paris Nitsch. Uh, it's Leao and big games. Right day to day, there was a lot of excitement when he entered the building, and I made the trip up to Oakland. It wasn't gone. going to play, and then. <laughs> He just disappeared on us for a while. Yeah, disappeared in big games, according to the (laughs) The old Kobe Bryant uh, hiding go seek there. (laughs) Uh, At 50 plus donor 
Uh, Milan saying, oh, well, at least we got an easy path in Europa League. Leverkusen. <laughs> Line and wait. <laughs> yeah, Leverkusen's good, man. They're yeah. if, if, if uh, I'll tell you what, people, if uh, you know, I know we're a steady iPod, but if uh, you haven't seen Leverkusen play yet this season, you're missing out. So. Yeah, there's rumor that um, Xabi Alonso might go to Bayern next year, but uh, what he's done over there at Leverkusen is fantastic. They really are a treat to watch. They, they you know, obviously having guys like Bonifacio, who they brought from uh, USG, uh, Union Saint-Gelois, um, but yep. their whole team is just so good. Uh, what's a, uh, Worth is another good player. They're just so talented away. They could easily win Europa League, this team, how good they are. Um, yep. They're fantastic, so. Yep. All right, moving on. Next, Apex nominated the next one, and it's uh, Bonetti. Oh, oh, oh. Chanting the Europa League music. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Shout out to Bonetti. Yeah. Uh, follow Cast. He just dropped another uh, episode tonight, so definitely follow that. So. <laughs> <laughs> the next one is a <laughs> City high referees when any player complains against Inter. <laughs> oh, that's good. All right. Uh, Sachin says, Pioli getting praised for playing Simic when he actually chose to play Pobega instead. <laughs> uh, Great. And then finally, Victor Alseman. <laughs> So someone, so he, Victor Osman tweeted out a, a picture of him in the uh, African Player of the Year award. And so someone tweeted him and said, you know, Hakimi deserves an award more for his contributions for the continent and taking his team to the World Cup semifinals. So Osman just said back to him, here you go. Here's a new saying yourself. <laughs> wow. Osimhen, wow. Uh, wow. Like, I, I didn't know maybe, a little, maybe, maybe, maybe a little trigger here. I don't know. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> Oh, I gotta love that guy. That's a fight. He's not only a fighter on the pitch, also off the pitch. Gotta love it. Gotta love uh, it. <laughs> I, I didn't see that one coming, honestly. So <laughs> I think it's Saturnian. Uh the referees complain <laughs> referees when any player complains against Inter. What I wanna I wanna know where this is from because that's a hilarious video. <laughs> yeah, it is. But uh yeah, so true too. So yeah, referees and yeah, complaining against well, Inter. All right, Saturnian thirteen, you're the winner. Uh He's a multiple-time winner too. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so I will go ahead and dub him the winner. <laughs> yes, Brian, you're right. He did. <laughs> it's just yeah, Interisi being Interisi, right? All right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, from there, we'll give a shout out to uh, Calcio with uh, Reno Z. Uh, he was with us uh, was the last week on the podcast. Um, go follow his podcast for sure. Follow him on Instagram. Uh, great follow there. And like I just mentioned, you know. We just talked about Bonetti. Go follow Couch Cast. He dropped an episode tonight um, uh, with uh, with his wife. So definitely uh, worth following. Obviously, follow him. You should follow him. You should, if you're not following him right now, what's wrong with you? Go follow him. Go follow him. Uh, go follow him. Uh, but yeah, you know, ready for the. Uh, there's no. There's actually no Christmas break for us uh, for Syria. Huh? It's like yeah, we're gonna have to work. We're gonna have to work next Tuesday night and uh the following tuesday after new year's because there's going to be games on the weekends and they're not giving us a they're not giving us a they're not giving us a winter break they're trying to compete with the english league or something what's going on here i don't know i think maybe they're trying to catch up with the calendar and get it get things back to normal finally after covid and maybe maybe and whatnot and try to be done at a certain time so that national teams can train and go do the euros that's the only thing i can speculate 
So yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's fair. Uh, the chat's amazing as always. Thank you guys. Yeah. Good for time. your comments, for your banter. Uh, appreciate y'all coming in uh, and hanging us, hanging out with us here on a uh, Sunday night. Um, hanging us. I'm still in the Dulcimid thing. Still the thing. <laughs> it's a runner up right there. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I think that's a good spot to put a bow on this edition of City uh, Sit Down. We have our own channel on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. We're on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever there's podcasts. There's City House Sit Down. Uh, at City House Sit Down on Twitter, Instagram. You can check us out there. Drop some comments. Uh, we're also available on Facebook if need be. Uh, if you are watching us here on the YouTube channel uh for the first time, you know, click on that subscribe button. So this way, you know, when, and, and especially the notification bell, so you know when we're going to go on the air, uh, but most importantly, drop a like, uh, cause that helps us out a lot. So, um, please do all those things for us. Uh, we will be back. Um, I believe next Tuesday night, Richard. I think, so. Okay. I think so. All right. So this is my time to wish all of you listeners a very Merry Christmas. Uh, hope that you have the opportunity to enjoy some time with family. Uh, you'll get to enjoy a little calcio in the couple of days leading up to it. Um, and, uh, you know, hope you are able to, uh, to have some good moments, uh, uh, you know, on a very important holiday. One holiday, you know, uh, I agree. So, um, so that's it. I just want to say Merry Christmas to everyone. Chin chin. Chin chin. All right. So that is it for this edition of City of Sit Down, a podcast of World Football Index. For Richard, I'm Frank. As always, tell your paisans about us. Ciao. Ciao.